Hi there, a quick note before the episode begins. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Mija, or Binti in Arabic, and this podcast is about my family, Those alive, those long gone, and those still dreaming. So here's what you need to know about Muna. She is strong, pensive, patient, and loves her family and her culture with all of her heart. Muna is my mom. So here it goes, 10 minutes to tell her story. Imagine a room with a table in the center, colorful fabrics all over the walls, on the floor, and on the doors. In this room, there's a little girl with green, big eyes, golden brown skin, and long, dark, curly hair. She's sitting next to the wooden table, and the girl is untangling a golden thread from her fingers. A silver ring shines from her hand. It says, Kul a'udhu bi falaq. I seek refuge with Allah, the Lord of the Daybreak. The man besides her is sewing a golden pattern on a long white robe. It's a hieroglyphic. The girl is Muna. The man is Marzu, her dad. And what Marzu has in his hands is a ganabeya, a traditional dress men use in Egypt. Muna was born in Alexandria. She is the youngest of two girls born to Marzu, Taylor, and Arbab, a fabric seller. Since she was little, Muna adored her dad's work, sewing symbols, patterns, and hieroglyphics into every single cloth he sold. Every stitch told a story. She would ask him, Dad, what's that? And Marzu would answer, a symbol to avoid hasad habibti. Tell me more, she would say. Muna is very curious. She knows that her dad tells tales just to inspire her. He was in love with his heritage and wanted to be certain she is too. So every time she asks Marzut something, Muna tries to research every answer he gives. 
That's why she was nicknamed Munna, which means something to be saved for the future. Since Munna learned to paint patterns as beautiful as her dad's, everyone always admired her art. Her best friend Abdul also loved art. Well, the art of music anyway. Anyway, they used to play together often around the neighborhood, and Muna always beat him at everything. One time, when they were 11 years old, they raced down the street. And Muna wins, with grace. Abdul reaches the corner of the street seconds later, hands on his chest, breathing hard. Muna jumps joyfully, raising her arms to the sky. Abdul swears that he would beat her the next time. But that never actually happens. Abdu's father passes away, and they don't see each other much after that. One day after school, Muna goes to Merzut's workshop, but she freezes. The workshop is completely empty. Muna thinks the worst. Mom, Dad got Hasad. Remember, the Hasad is the evil eye, the envious eye. She remembers some neighbors had stopped by the other day and admired his work. But Marzu arrives quickly and calms Muna down. He had just received a French tourist who bought all of his fabric and clothes. After that big sale, the whole family moves to another neighborhood closer to Cairo. Marzu hopes this will attract more business from tourists. The day Muna leaves the neighborhood, holding back tears, she writes a note to Abdu to say goodbye. La ilaha illallah, it says, which means there is no God but Allah. He slips her a note back to say goodbye as well. It says Muhammad Rasulullah, which means Muhammad is the messenger of God. This was the hope that God, Allah, would reunite them again. In their new town, things don't really change. Mona continues to spend her afternoons listening to Marzu. Mona falls in love with Egyptian culture. So she studies Egyptology at the University of Alexandria. Now it's the end of the 80s, just a few days before her graduation, she's having lunch when she sees something that surprises her. Two young women, just like her, in their first year of university, are walking up some stairs wearing hijabs, outside of mosque or prayer. That image would stay with her for a long, long time. That summer, Mona is hanging out with her sister and some boys start bothering them. Mona looks up at the boy that intervenes and recognizing him. Abdo, is that you? The very same. Abdul, her best friend from childhood. As the sun sets on the reunited teens, they imagine a future together. Weeks later, they get engaged, and then as soon as Muna finishes college, they get married. Abdul opens his restaurant in their old neighborhood, while Muna works as a research assistant at the local university until she's offered a job of her dreams to work at a museum studying ancient Egyptian heritage. The only hitch is that 
Well, the museum is abroad in London, England. Mona recalls the exact moment she brings up the news to Abdo. They sit on the beach. He tells him about the job. She knows how much he loves Alexandria and Egypt. She does too. She tells him, Abdo, whatever you decide, I'll always be with you. Abdo is visibly sad. He doesn't say anything at that time. He watches the waves crash against the sand. He tells her to give him some time. The next couple of days, he prays hard. So does she. Her silver ring in hand. Salat al-Istikhara, a prayer of guidance. Then Abdu dreams a dream that gives him peace. And finally, he says yes. The day they move to England, Muna makes sure that the moving goes unnoticed. Muna doesn't want anyone to give them hasad. Gidda Arbab, Muna's mom, lights up an incense, blows it over Muna and Abdu's head while praying for them. They sneak out of their house late at night with their luggage, tiptoeing so no one can hear or see them. They are leaving behind their endless night sky. At that moment, they feel real longing, but they're excited. In the cab on the way to the airport, Mona and Abdul look at each other's eyes and say, I love you. That first week, Mona goes to the British Museum for the very first time and sees the real Rosetta Stone in person. It's a magnificent artifact that helped decipher hieroglyphics during the 19th century. Mona stands before it, alone in the museum before closing. She had come all this way to see the stone with her own eyes, which fill with tears at the sight of it. I've asked Mona many times why she decided to preserve the history of her own culture in another country, especially a country that had colonized her own. She always answers, well, these are our things. So if anyone is going to describe it, explain it, uplift it, it should be an Egyptian. Mona wanted to learn, and even though it sometimes felt like a betrayal to be in that space, it was important to her to be the one to preserve our history. And that wasn't the only thing Muna learned about herself in London. She also learned what it meant to be Muslim, North African, a woman in Europe. One day, while she was going to a meeting at the museum, a man asked Muna about the silver ring she had on. He called it exotic. Muna hates this word. She explained that it has a Quran verse printed on it. He replies, That's curious. You're not like other Muslim women. I mean, you don't even keep your head covered. You're so modern. This scene plays a lot in her head. Muna is a Muslim woman. She is a Muslim woman like any other Muslim woman in Egypt and elsewhere. What does this man even mean? When she prays at work, wearing her turquoise veil for each prayer, she quickly takes it off before someone sees her with it. She feels uneasy. Sometimes she feels shame. 
Then one day, Muna's praying at her office, and she doesn't notice that a co-worker has walked in. Her co-worker apologizes. Muna is startled. Her heart is racing as she hides her veil as fast as she can. She says sorry over and over as she steps out of her office. While she's having lunch that same day outside the museum, she thinks about this. Why is she embarrassed? Embarrassed of feeling safe, of honoring who she is. She stares at her food a minute, finishes up her meal. There among the Londoners, Muna understands something. So that same evening, Muna calls her mother, Arbab, and she tells her she wants to start wearing her veil full time. To this day, Muna insists when she chose her first full-time hijab, she felt something being born inside of her. Days later, she receives Arbab's package with loads of colorful hijabs, a maroon one, a cream one, a mustard one, a green one, all with Marzu's tiny hieroglyphics embroidered in them. Muna smiles. That very evening, she finds out she was blessed with her first child. Omar. This podcast was produced by Studio Ochenta. Story by Rana Abdelhamid and Mona El-Bogdadi. Creative director and executive producer, Lori Martinez. Senior fiction producer, Maru Lombardo. Assistant producer, Zeyna abuel Makarem, Associate producers, Rebecca Seidel and Fadi Samitoson. Original theme song by Gabriel Dalmaso. Sound editors, Luis Raul Lopez-Levi and Maru Lombardo. Special thanks to Sadia Azmat and Alia Moro who advised us on the Arab-Egyptian Londoner experience. In English, Miha was voiced by Rana Abdelhamid. Rana is also the founder and ED of a non-profit organization called Malika which runs self-defense, financial literacy, and healing justice programs, building safety and power for women around the world. You can learn more and support their work at malika.org. Our graphic designer for this season was Sebastian Marquez, and our social media manager is Lisha Lopez. This podcast is available in English, Spanish, and Arabic. You can find episodes from every version plus full transcripts on ochentastudio.com slash mijapodcast. Follow us at Miha Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. 
When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French.